Please remember, conversations during EY podcasts should not be relied upon as accounting, tax, legal investment, nor other professional advice. Listeners must consult their own advisors. We live inside the community. Our teams are there. So they start saying, hey, these guys are here. They have an office. I can go all the time. Our office are big in these places. So it's an open house. So they people can gather, do different things. So you have these projects that someone that have an idea, now have a product. Then we have these brand projects also. So the ones that don't have a brand, we develop their brand and do the packaging and all that. Truth is, humanity can save itself and our planet. And right at this very moment, there's someone who's taken on this challenge and is on a path to solving an incredibly tough global problem. This podcast was created to tell you about them. You're listening to Better Heroes, a show from the global EY organization about the untold stories of entrepreneurs devoting their lives to impactful innovation. And I'm your host, Matt C. Smith. What do you do if you live in a rural community where jobs are scarce? Many people are forced to leave their homes and migrate to the closest major city for better opportunities. But what if migrating to that capital isn't easy? What if you live in Chile, for instance, where 83% of its territories are actually rural? What if you have a family that you can't leave behind? Moving isn't always possible. So what do you do? Sebastian Salinas has found a solution with Balloon Latam. He's the founder and executive director. Balloon Latam is a social enterprise platform that develops local economies in Latin America and strengthens ecosystems of entrepreneurs. Balloon's teams go to rural communities and help develop skills and install resources so that local entrepreneurs and artisans can thrive. Chile has 345 communes, 263 are rural. The, th the thing is that in those 263 communes lives the 30% of the population. So populations is the same as votes. So most of the time, public policies has not the pertinence or are based for those rural areas because most of the people lives in urban areas. So Chile has these big issues. So most of the decisions are taken in rural in urban places, thinking of what the rural places need. But this is a huge gap of what you can find. We have 10 different indigenous, different communities of 10 different types. And that makes us a very country with a lot of diversity, not just because of the different places, also because of the culture. Here also is 12% of the population in Chile is indigenous. Uh, belongs especially to one that is called the Mapuches. So also this is one of the biggest challenge in our country because there are a lot of conflict between the governments. I say governments because all the government had passed with this, with the indigenous communities, especially the Mapuches, because of their land. So you mentioned that there are different indigenous communities and sort of this dispersed population across countless municipalities, rural, and then a small minority actually sort of in the built-up, urbanized, gentrified capitals, right? What are some of the negatives that are associated with having a country that is so widely rural and so widely distributed? 
Well, first is that we are very, as you will know, we are facing one of the biggest crises in the world. That is the crisis of biodiversity and climate change. And rural areas are the first ones that are facing that or seeing that. And most of the time, you want to see lack of access to basic service, to lack of access to opportunities. In some places, a lot of rural places, there is no presence of the government because they are too far. And there's not so much people that lives in those places. So that's something that there are people that live in rural areas face all the time, like connectivity zone. For example, in Patagonia, if you want to have your baby, women have to travel eight hours and live one month in the capital because if they are taking birth during where they live, they are not going to be able to get there because the road doesn't allow that. But I believe there is more good things of their rural places. Imagine if you close your eyes and you think, think about paradise or being in paradise. I believe it's difficult if you take three seconds to think about that, to think in a big city. Yes, do that. Close your eyes and imagine the snow-capped mountains of the Andes. The lush green hills and meadows. Look at the beautiful trees, the rushing waterfalls. Imagine a paradise. It's all there in nature. Also, I believe that's something that we are facing, the challenge of development, that we have to be careful of what is going to be happening in these places specifically because it's a good thing, but also we have to be taken aware of what is going to happen. Sebastian, I love how you finished that off with some of the beautiful positives of being in a rural community. Like you say, you're living in one right now. But I, I wanted to double down on that, actually. You mentioned, I mean, evidently, and in your case, the work you do that we'll speak about in a moment is a lot about helping social economic mobility. Just before we get into that, what are some of the benefits of being based in a rural community? I believe that one of the biggest challenges that we have desnaturalized as human beings we believe that we are that we own nature and we are part of the nature. And when you live in a rural area, you are facing or living that you are part of the nature all the time. And also you can see the effects, for example, of climate change, all that directly out of your window. Maybe in the city, you are not seeing that. So that makes, I believe that development is not a material thing. Development is a conscious thing. And I believe that rural areas has that. I believe that this naturalization of human being of the world, I believe it's something that this education thing that have rural areas that is amazing. Also, you can have your food directly for your neighbors. This is like, like a community that most of the time as the government is not here because not because the government is bad, it's because they're too far. You only have your neighbors to do something. So those kind of communities, we share, I don't know, a barbecue, we go handle together with our neighbors. Maybe that kind of things are are not happening right now in, in cities. I'm not saying that all, all of them, but it's something that this community thing, this naturalization of the human being, I believe something that rural areas give us and also the, the feeling of the being, being surrounded by nature is something that I believe is a, one of the biggest privileges that you can have by being in a rural area. On that note of health and nature, I mean, it's been proven that if you spend 20 minutes a day in nature, you don't have to be barefoot. You don't have to be running in the forest. But if you spend 20 minutes in nature, that can be a park in a city that can help to de-stress your life profoundly. But Sebastian, one thing I always try to understand, and, and our dear friends listening to this too, on this podcast is, 
the man behind the business, the team, the idea, the ideology, and the hypothesis of Balloon in your case, where did your passion for this start? Where did the inspiration to do what you are doing start? Fill us in a little bit about Sebastian from childhood to education to balloon today. Well, the the story starts because I, I played a lot of soccer. I love soccer. So I play a lot and I play in different teams. Uh, that gave me the chance to travel through Chile and start like looking at different realities through soccer. So maybe most of the time when you go to a place that you are not from there, you're not very welcome. And because I was good for the play the ball all the people they say hey you come and play with us and etc etc so i started like knowing a, a part of my country that by soccer i never have the chance to see that to feel that and live that and because of that i say well there's something that we should be doing and i i realized that with a ball like from soccer you can gather people together and uh, maybe we are not friends maybe we don't speak the same language but we can understand and start creating bonding relation through the ball. So when you see that in rural areas are the biggest inequalities, you see that using the example of football, that one ball gathered people together beyond the difference. I was thinking, hey, what is something that could gather together people in rural area? And when you see that the economy in rural areas is seasonal, what happens is that depends of the season is the economic activity that they do. Is that because of ag agriculture is the typical line of business? Agriculture, tourism, gastronomy, I don't know, they can make products, I don't know, but it depends on the season. Mm. So you will find there is a lot of entrepreneurs that they don't realize as they don't believe that they are entrepreneurs, but they have two or three different activities during the year because of the season. So you say, hey, this is something that most of the people has in common. So we, we all the time when we start like gathering together, we can see the difference that we have, but how we can see what are the things that we have in common. And one thing that the people in rural areas has in common is that they have more than one activity, economic activity. So that's why we thought, Hey, why don't we gather together people in rural areas to develop their own projects? And well, when I start inviting people, Hey, you have this idea how we can help you or what do you want to do? People start saying, hey, I want to participate. Yeah, I have this idea. Hey, I have this project. So the project is the excuse to gather people together. And I, I don't know if I tell what we do, but when you gather people together, we start like a process. And through that process, we start creating bonding relations, social capital, data. And we start this value model that I can tell you more about. So we'll come to Balloon now, which is obviously this, this business that you have been running now in Latin America. What is sort of the mission and the vision of Balloon? Well, we want that the communities can be the, the protagonist of their own development. I said one of the principles of the sociocracy is that people that are going to be affected from one decision should be part of the creating of the building of that decision. So most of the time there is people that with very good intentions says, these guys need this, but those guys that are going to be affected from that decision, never participate on that because we know that we have to develop in some specific way, but development is not the same for, if I ask you, for example, Matt, what do you think about development is you're going to say something to me, 
If I ask an indigenous guy, a Mapuche, for example, he's going to say something different. Another guy from South Africa is going to tell me another thing. So development is a um, heterogeneous concept. So it depends of the specific territory. So what we see is that how we can be part, help and support the development of these rural areas to the place that they want to go to. That's the main vision. To figure out exactly what a community needs, you have to be part of that community. And that's exactly what Sebastian did. To grow Balloon Latam to where it is today, he spent time living with these rural communities and working with those local entrepreneurs. I was working in the south of Chile, near to where I'm living right now 10 years ago, working with indigenous communities, helping them how they can tell a story to sell their products. Imagine that these are products that they take the color of a tree, of a leaf, and they put that color in some cloth. So that's say, hey, you're selling nature. This is amazing. But they don't see and realize that this has value. So being part of the development of rural places by the assets and the knowledge that they have and can be complemented with some other knowledge or opportunities that we can bring here. So that's how it starts Balloon. So how does the Balloon model actually work? So talk me through sort of the, the user journey, if you will. Take us to the beginning of that and like how you actually implement such a program, how it works in a rural village. We have what it means like local partners that are institutions, government institutions, companies, even NGOs, I don't know, foundations that hires Balloon and say, hey, Balloon, I want you to go to these places. And we have a contract with them for at least four years. That's the minimum that we work in rural places. So when we get to the rural places, we do a social environmental diagnostic. So we analyze the culture, the economic, environmental part, uh, and the political part. Mm-hmm. So with, beyond that, with that information, we do a social capital map. So we analyze the relations that people have in the community with the public institutions and also with the private sector. With that data, we install a team. Teams, Our teams, we have, I don't know, 32 offices in different communities. And so we install a team based on the information and we start inviting people to say, hey, come with your ideas, with your projects, and we're going to be working with you for at least four years. So we start this journey, entrepreneurial journey, that are different programs that get in the community, like very intense, and then get out. What type of? We have a fellowship program, international, for example, that people apply all over the world to come to Chile, for example, to develop local projects for five weeks. And this is a certification of a best university here in Chile that is called Catholic University that gives you a certification of social innovation and community development diploma. Mm. So it's a master with 300 hours of work on the field. So why four years? Like, how did you figure out that four years is the time that you need in in order to do that? And also, how do you capture the data? Because I can imagine, obviously, we're talking about rural communities, right, where not everyone has a mobile device. In fact, probably very few do in terms of like Wi-Fi penetration, electricity maybe in some. There's a lack of infrastructure. So how do you actually capture the data? And yeah, why four years? Four years because uh, we have realized that it's at least for making systemic change is the least time that you're going to be having the trust the legitimacy and the confidence of the community with you. That's the minimum. And also the, the majors are also four years. All the authorities are selected every four years. So also we are, we start with one and then we get out for the other one. So that's also one of the 
main reasons why we're using for years. And as the data, we have these external evaluation that are coming to the community and start interviewing the people. You can't just collect data. You have to utilize it. Sebastian and Balloon Latam don't just use their data to increase financial gain for their entrepreneurs. This data is affecting policy in Chile. Listen to Sebastian as he explains it. So we have these 76 indicators that are racing and every year we continue measuring that and also we complement with the different public information that we can compare. Most of the time it happens that we have better information or more information than the government. Because, for example, in rural areas, economy mostly 60% is informal. So we are not going to have such as a big information in the public administration. So what we use with that data, we take this and show them and give them to the government so they can do new or better public policies for these specific places. So I was saying this program that is called International Balloon, that people over the world apply this fellowship program and come and then get out. So that's happened every year. We have partners with 15 universities that's called the Balloon U. So students of university also come and work with the same projects. We have rural development fund. So we invest in the rural business that they don't have access, for example, to a bank. And we just charge the inflation rate. So they pay back this money. Also, we have the mentoring programs. We have business rounds. Mm. So it's a huge process like a journey that they are passing. And the science of this is when you gather these people together with the skills of developing their projects, as I was saying, they start creating this bonding relation between capital and with us. And when you have the community places, you have a mass, you have data, and you have social capital, you can get to the third part of our model. That is the infrastructure thing. What is infrastructure? Is water projects, pavement project, roads program, internet. So we have amazing relation with indigenous. So we do as a bridge between the government and the communities. Mm. So say I'm one of those, let's call them vendors or artisanal creators. Mm. I'm doing three different businesses cyclically throughout the year based on the seasons. How do you help me understand that what I'm doing is a startup in itself? How do you educate me? And, and what is the goal using Balloon's platform with me? We live inside the community. Our teams are there. So they start saying, hey, these guys are here. They have an office. I can go all the time. Our offices are big in these places. So it's an open house. So they, people can gather, do different things. So you have these projects that, as you would say, it's, like, it's a good example. So someone that have an idea, now have a product. Then we have these brand projects also. So some, the ones that don't have a brand, we develop their brand and do the, I don't know, packaging and all that. So you literally work on logos, you work on slogans, you work on, uh, you know, the typical brand yes. strategy is right to work on what is your mission, your vision, what is your North Star? That's correct. So it depends mm. of the specific need. So it depends of the state of the entrepreneur. So if you don't have nothing, you go to the basic one, then you go to the intermediate, and then you go to the advanced. So the ones that are in advanced or intermediate mm. goes directly to those parts. For example, as I told you, we have this rural development fund. So you have to be more advanced to access to, to that kind of money. So if you don't have a logo or branding, etc., you cannot get there. So there are some steps before to get the, to those places. So that's one thing. The other one that is also really good is to take 
people out of the community. So we do exchange through different communities a lot because then they say, wow, it's really beautiful where I live. Wow. The, I don't know, the marmalade that I'm selling is much better. And here they sell it more expensive than what I was selling. So that kind of mindset, because there is a lot of people that never been out there. So we do a lot of exchange through mm. their rural in between the rural communities. And also what happened is that we have been 10 years. So balloon is, um, a public recognition institution. So what happened is that we can get to the government, to the different ministers of a different institution to say, Hey, you should put this here, or you can get this fund or this specific project to that. So now we can do that before now, but it's something that also it's part. It sounds amazing. So I'm along the process now. So you've shown me how I can maybe level up the business because I would like to do so, how I can access new resources. Maybe you've given me some visibility on your platform. So say I go along the process and we're four years down the line now, you know, I'm better educated. Potentially I've been able to socioeconomically grow my own standing, my own village, my surroundings. Maybe that's had a benefit on the community itself. What kind of benefits actually after four years would we expect to see on my community, given this, this example? When I say the four years is that the team that lives inside the community is going to stay at least the four years. But all those entrepreneurs continue in the community of balloons. So there's a lot of communities that we have been get out, but they still be part of the balloon community. So we have different benefits like the Rural Development Fund or different events or things that we also continue offering to these communities. So because it's a, it's a relation that's going to be for the rest of their life. There is a lot of community responsibility. So most of the time people are the ones that are solving the problems of the community. Why, for example, is big amount of social entrepreneurs in Latin America, because the private sector is doing things that most of the time in more developed countries, the public sector is the one that are taking or facing those challenges. So what happened here in rural communities, when there are more power, they can realize that they can do things. They realize that they have these connections. Now they are the ones that are going to be solving or helping others to get to solve their projects or challenge together. There's a lot of things that you cannot imagine that is indirected impact. Uh, so for example, we have, this is, I don't know, it's funny, but it's something that there's a lot of divorce. 75% of our community are women. So why, why is that? Because what, what happened is that they, they are the ones that stay more in the house. So they are more, I don't know, disposition to, to come to, to the process, to the programs and all that. And one of the main things of what happened when you have intra-domestic violence is because the lack of economic independence. So for example, when you have more economic independence, women with this project say, Hey, I don't, I don't need this guy. I will not accept that this guy punched me every day or different things. So those kind of things, something that we don't look for, but those kind of things, because being more empowered happen. What are the other benefits? I mean, we've, we've obviously heard that, that amazing ancillary benefit that by empowering, obviously 75% female artisanal workers, makers, homemakers as well, you've allowed them to actually develop the role of women in their communities and their societies, right? And feeling empowered because of the economic difference, right? What, what other benefits? I mean, talk me through the typical village after those four years. Do you measure the impact from before you started and then to after? 
it depends on the community for, but we have been, for example, giving, I don't know, 22% more of access to water to different communes because of the water price that we can do. So we have a lot of contracts that is one of the service that we sales to companies is the soft landing. So what is a soft landing? So people say, I have this technology or this thing that I want to give this or put this in this specific community. So as we have the community, have the data and the information, we say, hey, we're going to do a soft landing of this technology. For example, what we're doing with the Starlink, we are installing, installing internet to these places that if we have not this community, they are not going to be part here. So we are doing digital alphabetization so they can use internet through these places. Or water, this project, I don't know, with remote waters, there's another institution, we are putting different technologies so they can convert and use their water. With the Ministry of Works, for example, we are doing roads in indigenous conflict areas because of that. So those kind of things are based and you will see it because it's, it depends on the communities. As I told you, when you have the mass, you have the data and you have the social capital, that's the biggest assets as balloon we have. And with that, we can bring the other technologies or the other supports for specific communities. The community decides what are the specific needs. So they say, hey, this is what we want. We want water or we want uh, internet. We want that. So we are going to try to bring those things to the specific community. So you let them decide what they want. And then you effectively create that bridge between, in the case of Starlink, Wi-Fi and, and yes. connection, connectivity to that village. And in, in the case of some of the others, it's water, it's infrastructure, it's roads, it's maybe healthcare, all of the above. Yes. While you're doing that, you know, I'm just curious, obviously, you're going into these communities, which obviously change different communities, different regions, different products, different people, different languages, in some cases, different dialects, perhaps, right? How do you go in there? And I know you said this at the beginning, and you were very cautious about it, because there's a perspective of like, this is sort of colonialization, right? So you're avoiding that by going and allowing the local community to make the decisions for themselves. But how do you manage that? How do you maintain the authenticity in that community? whilst giving it the access and mobility of large cities around the world? The first thing is that our team is local teams, people that lives in the community. So what, that's one of the main things our team, first our base, and most of the time are from the community. Mm. Uh, so we prepare them and handle that. The other one is that we have a lot of information, a previous information, and with that information, we can see what they want to, I don't know, to preserve uh, what they want to do. The other thing is that most of the time we don't have to romanticize poverty. So you say, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to change this. But if you ask to people, hey, I need pavement here to get to my house. I'm, I'm not getting used to it. all the winters. I cannot get out of my house because I don't have any roads. So I want that. So I'm curious, how many communities have you worked with? How many have succeeded? How many have failed? What is your traction metrics on communities globally? Chile has 263 communes or 263 rural municipalities. We have been working in 72 of that. And we have created more than 7,200 jobs. And we have 5,600 local projects. 75% of them lead by a woman. And 45% of that lead by indigenous people. It's amazing, Sebastian, yeah, what, what you've created and how you've created this infrastructure. And, and what just stands out to me is that it's led by the communities, right? You know, you go in there and say, hey, look, we can provide you with infrastructure, access, knowledge, but you need to lead this. And I'm sure you've come across cases 
where it's not worked in some communities here and there with the amount of volume and the scale to which you're producing this in. You've effectively created the balloon blueprint, right? Well, as, as you said, the, the things that don't work at the beginning, we get out, for example, at the beginning at one year. Then we say, hey, this is, we're not doing nothing here. Or we create expectations, was much problems, but good things. We take it to two years. How we get the private sector inside. So how we get the public sector. So the model was developed during the experience and the fails that we were facing during these 10 years. And that's why we realized that four years, for example, is the minimum time that we have to be here. And now we have the partners with the public institution and also the partners with the private ones so how they can get inside the community. Are there any organizations, you know, on the other side of that, you said post working with these communities, uplifting them, allowing them to uplift themselves, or any businesses that you're trying to get access to? I mean, you've got Starlink already, so you're doing pretty well, but What's next for Balloon? What are your bottlenecks? What are you trying to get access to, to keep leveling it up? We create Balloon Lab, innovation and development area here in Balloon that is using the patrimony of Balloon, the assets of Balloon. What are the assets, the trust, the people, the information? And we are developing local projects or big projects with that. So for example, now we're doing a offsets, a carbon offset program with the communities, the balloon entrepreneurs. So most of them have land. So we rent the land and we are planting trees and we are selling carbon. So the 32% of the income gets from them and we put them in the carbon market. So it's a new way of protecting and using native trees, for example. This is so interesting to learn about a platform that you've localized and it's allowed communities to grow themselves socioeconomically, mobility-wise in terms of access to so many things that we take for granted on a daily basis. I just wanted to finish with your drive and your goals with this. What is your drive in all of this? As I told you, how can I live for something I will do for free? And I continue saying to that question, I'm doing that. and. to realize that being a bridge or supporting people to be part of their development of what they want to do or what they want to have is something that has no price. So our main thing or my personal thing is, I know that being an entrepreneur is difficult. Being a social entrepreneur is is much difficult. So I know I not take for granted how much time I will continue doing this because it's hard. It's like 80 people that works, for example, in Balloon right now and 56 are full-time, the other ones are temporarily. So with those challenge, I say, enjoy the journey and say, if I can live my life doing by doing this, that's a privilege. And I will continue on this journey because all the days is something different. All the communities, when you go, they teach you and you can learn something completely different. And I believe the identity of the people is in, in the difference. Sebastian, so enlightening to hear about what you're doing with Balloon. Incredible work so far. And I say so far because, I mean, it sounds as if with the blueprint you have succeeded in creating, this can be localized and and scaled across the world, supporting rural communities and influencing governmental policies, right? Which you've had a success in Chile so far with, potentially Kenya. Where's next on the list? What have we got to look forward to? We're in Mexico and Chile. We, we were in Argentina and Venezuela because of the situation of those countries we have to close. So we are based now in Chile and in Mexico. So with the next two years, we are focusing on 
growth through Chile and get the base to scale. And then we are looking at different countries through Latin America, like Costa Rica, Colombia, or Peru. Uh, that's the one that are the next step. So we will see what happens. <laughs> well, we'll be watching. Best of luck, Sebastian. Thanks for joining us on Better Heroes, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you all for joining me, Matt C. Smith, on this episode of Better Heroes. You can learn more about Balloon Latam at balloonlatam.com. And you can learn more about EY Ripples and all of our amazing impact entrepreneurs at ey.com slash eyripples. The links are in our show notes. Oh, and please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Better Heroes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also rate and leave our show a review to help others find out about the amazing work our impact entrepreneurs are doing. Before we go, we'd really like to thank our podcast producers, Human Group Media, who helped us bring this show to life. That's it for today's episode. We'll be back next week. Better Heroes is a project of EY Ripples, a global program to mobilize people across the EY network to help solve the world's most urgent social and environmental challenges. By extending EY's skills, knowledge, and experience to impact entrepreneurs on a not-for-profit basis and forging collaborations with like-minded organizations, EY Ripples is helping scale new technologies and business models that are purposefully driving progress towards the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The views of third parties set out in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the global EY organization or its member firms. Moreover, they should be seen in the context of the time that they were made.